If you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 3 is where we're going to be this morning. Ephesians chapter 3, starting verse 20 here in a second. We are going to finish chapter 3 of Ephesians this morning. Yay? Uh, Halfway done. We'll be halfway done. Uh, Beginning next week, though, we're going to take a break and we're going to begin a new uh, summer series uh, of going through the book of Hosea. It's in the Old Testament. Hosea isn't a book that gets a lot of attention. Uh, In fact, if I asked all of you what your favorite passage of Scripture uh, was, I doubt anyone would mention a verse from Hosea. Yeah. Nonetheless, Hosea is a beautiful story uh, of God's love for us. The gospel is sprinkled throughout the book, and I hope that you will get a lot out of it. And so beginning next week, we're going to take a 12-week break uh, through the summer Uh, And we'll pick up Ephesians chapter 4 in the fall. Uh, So this should give us, if you're like me and you're behind a few, uh, a little bit behind a few verses in our memorization, this will help us uh, catch up or even get ahead if that's that's your your go. Uh, When we are done with Ephesians, sometime, whenever that is, uh, I would love for many of you to be able to say that you have memorized the entire book of Ephesians, and, and I, I hope and pray that you're able to share that uh, with our church. So, so let's read the last two verses of Ephesians chapter 3 this morning, and then we will dive into it. Starting in verse 20, Paul says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Man. Now, if you remember, uh, when we started Ephesians, we said that the first half of Ephesians, the first three chapters, are predominantly doctrine. Uh, Paul is giving an immense amount of truth from those, uh, from those first few chapters. An immense amount of truth of, of, of who God is, uh, what He has done for us, how our relationship to Him works. Then beginning in chapter 4... Paul will begin to give us a, the, the practical side of all of that knowledge, right? So now that you understand who God is, now that you understand what your relationship to him is like, this is how you apply it. How are we supposed to live in light of what God has done? How are we supposed to interact with one another? How are we supposed to live our lives as people who understand these amazing truths in the last three chapters? But before he gets to chapter 4, he writes that God is able to do far more abundantly than, than we can ever ask. Far more abundantly than we can even imagine. But, but in one sense, he, he's already told us some of the things that God has already done. Things that we can't imagine. Th- things that are better than any plan that you and I could come up with. And so, so let's view this passage, these last couple verses, with the understanding of what God has already done. I, I, we've listed them in your sermon notes. They're, they're, they're there. No fill in the blanks right there, right? They're, they're all there. Look at those and tell me that you could think of a better way that allows God to remain full of love and full of justice. He has chosen us. He's brought us into his family. His grace doesn't come with conditions. He, he, he gives it freely. It's not like he gives you grace and then you mess up and then he takes it away. That's not how it works. We were having this discussion the other day with my boys. Uh, apparently, Asher threw one of River's baseballs into the creek in front of my house. 
Well, Asher got a new boomerang on Friday. And River, guess what he did? Not on purpose, but he got it stuck in a tree. Guess how that conversation went? Asher, you get my ball out of the creek, I'll get your boomerang out of the tree, right? (laughs) Now, I get it. That's human nature. If you do something for me, then I'll do something for you, right? If you help me out, then I'll help you out. What have you done for me lately, right? I mean, those are all part of our vocabulary. That is how our depraved minds work. But that is not how God works. He just gives grace. And it doesn't cost you anything. He just gives it freely. But it sure costs him. I mean, go through that list. And and look at how good God has been to us. He's better than anything we can imagine. I've been walking with the Lord for over 20 years now. And I am still blown away when I really think about it, still blown away that he would ever redeem anyone like me. He's already done far more than I could ever imagine. In John 15, 13, Jesus says that greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Now, I have many good friends, uh, friends that I will sacrifice for. If I can help someone out by, by giving up my time, I will gladly do it. If I need to sacrifice some money so that you can go eat or the, so you can pay your mortgage, I'll figure out a way to make that happen. There, there have been many people over my life that, that have sacrificed for me, all kinds of things for me and for my family. And, and so I will agree that that is a great act of love, Right? But, but, but I believe that that kind of love eventually comes to a point. Notice that Jesus says that you will lay down your life for your friends. He doesn't say the life of a loved one. He doesn't say the life of your child. Now, I'm not a police officer or a soldier or a firefighter or anyone else who, who puts their life on the line every single day for others. But I do believe that I would lay down my life for someone if the need arose. If my sacrifice would be the moment where someone came to know the Lord, I, I would do it in a heartbeat. Now, I'm not look, look, out there looking for it, but I don't think any of the martyrs of the Christian faith were. I, I don't think Stephen in uh, Acts chapter 7 woke up that morning and hoped that he was going to be pummeled with rocks until he died. I don't think he set out for it. But his sacrifice caused a chain of events that spread the gospel. His story is etched in history. We now have the gospel of Jesus here in Iowa because of men and women like Stephen who said, this sacrifice is worth it. I cannot think of a more honorable way to die than to die for the cause of Christ. But... I'm not giving up my kid. I love you. But if your eternal security in heaven means that I have to sacrifice one of my children, you're out of luck. I can't imagine what that must have been like for God the Father to turn his back on his son. Tell me that isn't something that is abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. But God doesn't. 
He does it and He doesn't stop there. He grounds us. He reveals His will to us. He reconciles us to Himself. He gives us the church. This place is one of God's greatest gifts to me. I love that I get to be a part of it. I love that I get to work here. I hope that you feel the same way, that this, is a pl- this place is a gift, is a good gift from the Lord. Now, this passage that we are in is a very popular passage. It might be your favorite passage. But I have seen this particular passage taken out of context so many times, it's not funny. I've seen men and women twist this passage to to mean something that it doesn't. Prosperity gospel preachers love this verse. But here's what you need to know. God is not a genie. This isn't one of those passages that you claim when when you're asking for a $15,000 car and he gives you a $100,000 car. This verse is not meant for us to ask God for things that are just going to benefit us. This passage is not meant for us to think that God is going to break the rules of science just for you. Now, He can, and and He might, but that should not be our motivation for asking Him. He has already proven that He can do more than we can think or imagine. Now, it doesn't mean that He's done It doesn't mean that all of his work is complete, but I hear too many people claim this verse as as a way to do something stupid and ignore all wisdom and counsel that they have in their life. If, If the only time that you approach God in prayer is to ask him for something, you might only view him as a genie to give you things. If that's the only time he prays, God, do this for me, God, do this for me, God, heal this person for me, whatever. If that's the only time you're approaching God, your relationship needs to mature. Now, that isn't to say that you aren't asking him for things that are worthy and needed, but our prayer time should be much more than that. As you mature in your walk with the Lord, your prayer life should mature with it. Now, when our kids were younger, mostly... We, we hated taking them to the store. Anybody else hate taking their kids to the store? Amen for that, yeah. It, it didn't matter which store it was. If we could avoid taking them into the store, we would. If it meant leaving them uh, you know, with one of us and one of us goes and does it, if it means whatever, we, we would avoid taking them into the store. If it was the grocery store, they would still find all kinds of things they wanted. And I'm not talking about the candy aisle. I remember I was in the grocery store one time with one of my boys. I can't remember which one it was. It's one of these two right here. Well, I know it wasn't Ranker. And one of them asked me if we could get a tub of lard. <laughs> he didn't know what it was. He just wanted it because he liked the packaging. He liked the colors. When I told him, no, in fact, we aren't getting a big tub of fat, he lost his mind, made a scene. If if we went to a store that had toys in it, they wanted everything, right? Can I have this? Can I get that? 
was the constant noise that we heard in the store. I want that. I want that. And once you told them no, a big scene arise. When they didn't get their way, it ruined the rest of the trip. Now, as my kids have gotten older, that, that isn't the case anymore, right? It's not as bad as it used to be. They don't just view us as people who can get them stuff. We, we can have real meaningful conversations. We can talk about life. We can talk about goals. And they have developed their trust in me as their dad. So now they understand me better. And our relationship continues to grow as it goes better for us. So I'm going to encourage you, work on developing a personal relationship with the Lord. Not where you're just asking him for things. Learn the sound of his voice. Understand his heart. Celebrate, give him praise for what he's already given us in Jesus. So that when we do begin to ask him for things, there are more in line with what we actually need. We understand his heart better. Finally, we need to have an expanded vision of who God is. I had a call this week uh, about Operation Christmas Child. It's weird to think that we're already discussing that. It's June. My wife would love that, right? It's always She'd love to start celebrating Christmas now. But each year as a congregation, we will pack up shoe boxes, and those boxes will go overseas to children who live in poverty. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had Compassion Sunday. We were given the opportunity to sponsor a child in a developing country who, who doesn't have... Uh, access to basic things like health care and education. Both of those organizations are, are worthy ministries to support. The goal of both of those is to share the gospel around the world. They use the small gift of a shoebox. They use $38 a month to share the hope of Jesus to children and their families. Do you understand what we put in those shoeboxes? Those kids are so excited to open up that shoebox because there's a pair of socks in it, because there's a toothbrush in it. When it comes to Christmas time, are my kids asking for a toothbrush or a pair of socks? No, they want something bigger. They want something more expensive. Now, they might ask for clothes, but it's not out of necessity. It's because they want more clothes. Some kids whose parents are in a different tax bracket than I am. They, they might ask their parents for a new car, right? Or a down payment on a house. Great things. But sometimes I wonder, sometimes I wonder about myself and us, if our prayers are not more in keeping with the poor child's than the rich ones. What are the kinds of things we pray for? If, if prayer requests in church, if the prayer requests that are on our prayer chain are any, any, any indication, one of our mo, most frequent and fervent requests is for physical health for us and for those we love. Now, please hear me when I say that that is absolutely a valid thing to pray for. We should be praying. We should be praying for healing. We, we should bring before God any request, large and small, that's on our heart. We, we are commanded to do so. 
In Philippians, Paul says, In everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Have you ever prayed for somebody who was terminally sick? I have. What if, what if God had answered our prayers? What if God healed them of the cancer or the disease? I mean, I certainly would have been incredibly thankful. I certainly would have given him praise for that. It would have been a huge answer to prayer. But what would it mean that they were never going to die again? Would it mean that they were never going to die? No. Even though it would have been huge to me, it really was a prayer that would have encompassed just a few years on this earth. In that sense, in the grand scheme of things, from an eternal perspective, it was a very small prayer, right? Again, please please don't think that I'm saying, don't pray for healing for your loved ones. That's not what I'm saying. Or or that praying for healing is some kind of lower grade prayer. It's some kind of elementary prayer. It's not. I, I hope you know that I know how it feels to watch someone you know battle for their health. I know how important and desperately important that battle becomes. I know the fear that clutches your stomach when things take a turn for the worst. I know how heart-wrenching it is when they lose the battle. But, but can you see in light of eternity, asking for someone to be healed was a small prayer? A bigger eternal prayer is that they would know Christ that they would receive the free gift of eternal salvation. Because that means even though we've lost them for a time, we've not lost them forever. That's a big prayer. Or or what if we are sick in the hospital and our prayer isn't just that we would be healed, but our prayer is, God, every single person that's taking care of me, every single person that walks into this room, help them experience your love. Help them experience your goodness and grace. It's not only the big, big eternal prayer. There, there's all kinds of big prayers out there. Do you pray life-transforming prayers? Community-transforming prayers. Nation-transforming prayers. World-transforming prayers. Prayers that will impact lives for eternity. Even prayers that impact what happens in the heavenly realms. Billy Graham once said, Heaven is full of answers to prayers we have never prayed. Don't you see it? I mean, think about that. This big, huge room full of answers to prayers waiting to be prayed. We need to ask God to even guide us in our prayers, to lead us in our prayers, that we might pray for these great things that he wants to give us. We need an expanded vision of who God is and what his purposes are that we might begin to pray those things to be fulfilled in our midst, that we get to see these great, amazing things. I mean, how many of us start our day, you just wake up and you're like, oh, Lord, just help me get through the day. Help me get to Friday, right? How many of us pray those prayers? What would your life look like uh, if instead of praying, oh, Lord, get me through this day, You prayed, Lord, do something today that is above and beyond what I can even imagine. What if that was your prayer every single morning? I don't know how your life would change, but if I were the betting kind, I'd be willing to say 
It would change a lot. Back in February, there was a revival at uh, Asbury University in Kentucky. You remember seeing that on the news? It wasn't planned. It just happened. Some students showed up for mandatory chapel that was supposed to last an hour, and it ended up lasting 24 hours a day for over two weeks. It is estimated that over 70,000 people from all over the country came to Kentucky to participate. I don't think anybody anticipated, but God did some great things over that time. It all started when one student stayed a little longer after the service was over. He stayed and he confessed his sin to his peers. And then it just took off. Confession and then it took off. People didn't want to leave. Now, I know that couldn't be easy. It's never easy to confess things to your peers. It's never easy to say, this is where I've messed up big time this week. This is where I've blown it in confessing those things. But what if that kid woke up that day and he prayed, Lord, do something today that I can't even imagine. I bet that was his prayer that morning. The power God uses is already in us. Paul says, God God does those great things according to his power, which is working in us. If, If you are a follower of Christ, then the very spirit of God dwells in you. Now, that that probably is not news to you, but think of what that means. The spirit, the essence, the being of God lives in you and in me. What does it look like when God demonstrates his glory in and through his church? Well, I don't know all the details, but I do know that it means people are starting to come to Christ. It means people's lives are being transformed. It means that there would be hope when there once was despair. It means that there is now life when there once was the stench of death. God wants to do things in and among us that we can't possibly do ourselves. And when people start doing things that they can't possibly do by themselves, people begin to take notice. They're they're no longer impressed that you're just a good Christian person. In fact, they cease really noticing you and what you're doing, and then begin to say, whoa, 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 there's something going on over there at Cornerstone. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's happening there, but I want to be a part of it. As we become mature in our faith, and as we are filled more and more with the fullness of God, then God receives the glory. He gets the glory. He's working in and through us, but he gets the glory. But as we've seen, and as Paul points out again in this morning's passage, we're not capable of being filled with God's fullness on our own. We can't do it on our own. Certainly that is something that is immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. That's why we need his power at work in our lives. I don't even know the kid's name who started the revival. I tried to find it, but I couldn't find it. But it really doesn't matter because it's the Lord who gets the glory for it. 
Are you bold enough to pray those big prayers? Are you trusting enough that he can do more than you can imagine today? Are you trusting enough that he can do something beyond your routine, beyond what you can control? This week is VBS. We've done VBS for a lot of years in this church, right? The community of Eldridge knows us by our VBS. How many times have you been walking through the community? Like, oh, I go to Cornerstone. Oh, you're the church that puts the big inflatables in the front yard, Right? That's what we're known for? Am I right? I love that we're known by that. I'd love it even more if you're the church that transformed my neighbor's life. That's the kind of prayers we should be having. Are you bold enough to pray it? When kids walk through these doors this week, and we, Sandy is so good, right? And we all know this. She's so good and organized and all the people that are going to help are so good. You know the routine, right? They're going to come in here and we're going to have big group time. We're going to sing some songs. Stefan's going to play some games with them, right? We know that part. And then we're going to send them out into their classrooms. And from this time to this time, they're going to be doing crafts. And from this time to this time, they're going to hear a Bible story. And from this time to this time, they're going to be doing something else, right? Like we know the routine, and we know what to expect at the end of the week. And we're hoping that people are, uh, children are coming to be saved, right? They experience the gospel. Like we're all, we know all those things. But are you bold enough to pray? God, this week, do something that we can't imagine. Are you bold enough to pray that? As you're serving, God, do something in me that I can't even imagine. Because we're, we're so limited by what we think we know. And what the results are supposed to be that we don't think bigger. What if next week every single seat was filled with families because their kids drug them to church because they experienced Jesus? You praying those kinds of prayers? What if the city of Eldridge was transformed because we're asking God, do something to me today that I can't even imagine? Let that be our prayer. Let that be our prayer. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you will. You'll speak to our people, that you will work in our people, that the power that, that is alive and active in us, God, you, that, that we, you will do things through us that we can't even imagine, that we can't wrap our minds around. God, help us be a church that doesn't put you in a box. Help us be a church that constantly expects our minds to be blown by what you have done. We, we, we don't want uh, people in this place just to, to fill seats. We want people in this place because they want to experience you. Whatever that looks like, Father. So God, we do. We ask you to do great things, eternal things. We ask you to transform our community transform our church, transform our nation. Help us not be like the poor kid 
who's asking for a toothbrush. Help us see you as the God who owns a a cattle on a thousand hills and ask you for the big stuff because we know you're not limited. And so, Father, give us eternal perspective. Give us a bigger vision of who you are. And God, I pray that we'll be obedient to follow you. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.